Welcome to Donnell Edwards' Viewpoints, where your viewpoint matters. Donnell discusses today's major issues and concerns with nationally recognized expert guests, as well as a variety of other interesting topics. So call and express your viewpoint about this week's topic or whatever else may be of concern to you. Just call Donnell at 563-999-3660 to share your viewpoint. Now, with this week's guest, here is your viewpoint host, Donnell Edwards. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Donnell Edwards' Viewpoints. We certainly hope you had a great day today, and we look forward to making your evening enjoyable and informative as well. Now, tomorrow is the anniversary of the terrorist attacks on our nation on September 11, 2001, when the World Trade Center Twin Towers in New York were destroyed, the Pentagon was attacked, and another plane was brought down by courageous Americans before it was able to reach our nation's capital. At this time, we remember the thousands who lost their lives, the survivors, the first responders, and everyone that was directly or indirectly affected by those tragic events. I will never forget that day personally, and I know uh, most of you will not either. So at this time, I ask that you join me in a moment of silence to remember our fallen neighbors. Thank you so very much for that. And as I mentioned, this evening's program is going to be very interesting. We have a discussion for those who play the lottery and hopes of winning, but it's not just about the lottery. It's about uh, philanthropy and community activism. So we hope that you get the point of that as well. And we talk with an incredible young man who won $52 million in the lottery and the amazing things he is doing with it. He is a Navy veteran. He began his career in the cruise line industry, and uh, he was with a Chinese Mandarin company, Star Cruises, and while working in China, he learned the Mandarin language before uh, transitioning to Norwegian cruise lines, which had been purchased by his present employer at that time, Star Cruises. He worked for Norwegian Cruise Lines for a decade before starting his own business, the Pilgrim Group, a real estate company that focuses on renovating commercial, residential, and maritime real estate. Please join me in welcoming to the CWR Talk Network and Donnell Edwards Viewpoints, the owner and CEO of the Pilgrim Group, Mr. Miguel Pilgrim. Welcome, Miguel. Thank you so much, Donnell. I'm appreciative to be on your show, and uh, I love what you're doing for the community and, and the format and the points that you bring out, and uh, I'm just privileged to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you. Now, Miguel, uh, please tell us. I, I mentioned some things in, in the introduction, but please tell us who Miguel Pilgrim is. Well, um, I was born in Los Angeles, and um, my father was a Navy man. My mother was a very, very strict but well-educated uh, Seventh-day Adventist and nurse herself from Mississippi. And um, I'm a third-generation veteran. My, actually, my son just got out 
um, a couple of weeks ago, so he'll be the fourth generation um, veteran in our family. Um, my daughter just graduated high school, is on the way to college, so both my children are grown. Um, was raised in Memphis. Um, once my father um, was discharged, uh, we moved to Memphis, and then that's where he was from. So I, I love that sort of background. So I guess you can say I've, I've lived quite a few places. Um, with my mother being a Seventh-day Adventist and my father being a military-trained man with a lot of street mentality, I think I kind of went across uh, both boards. So I, I think therein lies my personal values. I'm a man of faith. Um, I don't really get into religions. I believe in a higher power, and I believe that if you do things with honor and integrity, things will be returned to you in ways that you can never imagine. Um, I believe that your team is only as strong as you are, and there's nothing that you can't have, and I'm a living witness to that. And uh, here I am. Okay. Uh, those are some very good values, and it sounds like your uh, family life had a lot to do with who you are as a person, and that's great. Now, I, I know you, you traveled a lot, uh, both in the Navy and in your career with the cruise lines, and I read where you really enjoy traveling and like moving around. So uh, how has it been for the last few years when you were uh, kind of, I would imagine, uh, settled down in one area? Well, um, internally, when you used when you have someone who are used to being outside the country more than you're in the country and you actually start something that requires your constant assistance and vision and direction, um, you prepare for that. I knew once I started this business that my travel would be limited <laughs> in many ways, but um, I'm doing this for the purpose, and that's where it's really not even a struggle. I'm doing it for a purpose, and this is only temporary. Okay, very good. Now, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, the Pilgrim Group. Uh, what services uh, do you provide? Wonderful, no, no. Thank you for asking. Um, the Pilgrim Group is an umbrella group, and it started with um, some of my winnings from um, the wonderful financial blessing, and, then, and we started that. And I always, for many years, once started real estate company. I did a lot of research leading up to this. So I say, well, whatever, whatever it is that you want in this world, you can have, but you have to have a plan to go get it. And my girlfriend would tell you at the time, all I did was read about real estate. If you came into my home at any given time, while I was still working for the cruise lines, you see these magazines, I was watching the shows, and I knew I was going to open my own company. Didn't know where the capital was coming from, but I was saving money, working on my credit, um, and spending time around those that knew a lot more about real estate than I did. So when I started my company, I knew that. I wanted to invest in specific communities to rebuild and show people that in these communities, they just need attention and someone to believe in them. And now that company owns real estate. Um, we own a jazz lounge. We own um, a restaurant. Um, and some of those ventures are will be sister pieces for our current operation. And we started a clothing line about seven months ago. So it's just going on getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And uh, I'm blessed to be a student of life and, and learning. And um, you can inspire people and you can show people that, yes, it's not difficult. I don't have a college degree. What I do have is a wherewithal to be a reader. If you can read, it's simple. You can achieve. And if you can believe, you can be. 
Uh, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's one of the other points of emphasis for our network. As a matter of fact, we have a program that comes on twice a month. Uh, outstanding young lady who uh, produces that for us, and it's called Read, Read, Read. And the emphasis is on working with uh, students who have problems reading, and also eventually it's going to evolve into providing mentors for young people to help them uh, get on the right path. So we, we really do believe in, in reading as well. And uh, obviously you're a great example of what reading can, can accomplish. Now, uh, you had a long career in the uh, cruise line business. So how did that provide you with the education, the skills, and the training that's required to successfully manage the business that you have now, and especially uh, your project that we're going to discuss later. So now I'll say that you can read everything you want, but you have to put yourself around people that, that know, and they, they're okay. looking for your best interest and the team. And you have to be open to learning. You can never get tired of learning, no matter how much time you spend in the business. You know, I'm sure you've been in, in your career choice for many, many years. But, but, yes. But you're always learning. <laughs> am, am I right or wrong? You're absolutely correct. And the minute we, we get into something and say that we know it all, and I think that's where we, you become foolish and you won't do well. Um, the cruise line business is a very, very unique business. Coming from the military, it allowed me to transition very to a civilian life much easier than I think if I would have chosen any other career path. I spent a couple of years in college and realized that that wasn't for me. I, I enjoyed traveling. I enjoyed cultures. I enjoyed trying different, different things, different languages, and that really much, that, that was my, my passion. And when you find your passion, there you'll find your purpose. But I knew that I had to do some of the things that I saw um, overseas to bring that experience back home some manner or another. So I didn't know how, but it does exist, so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. And I think the military okay. definitely gave me that. And having a mother and father who were workaholics, I mean, they didn't believe in sitting at home. There was no TV watching unless there were a lot of time. My mother wasn't working. We were at church, so we didn't have a lot of time to play around. <laughs> okay. All right, very good. Now, uh, you were, as we mentioned before, you were fortunate enough to uh, be the winner of the $52 million in the lottery. And uh, I read where you chose to take the lump sum payoff instead of having it spread out over however many years it was uh, to get the $52 million. Can you explain to our audience why you chose to take the lump sum amount? And if they are ever in that position, why that may or may not be uh, a good uh, idea for them? Well, I think that depends on a lot of things. Um, with such a large amount, after taxes, it was with the lump sum. It came to a little less than $19 million. Okay. And I wanted that in a lump sum because I knew I had things to do with a sense of urgency. Whereas when you take it over time, over the 20 years or what have you, you're trusting 
that the Florida Lotto government, which, which regulates the lottery, will be in existence, um, and that if nothing happens, and after this last little um, real estate boom, uh, recession, I really think we should be a little less <laughs> trustworthy of how state-run organizations can pop up overnight, no matter how big they are and how quickly they can okay. go, right? Truth. So since I, I'm, I'm very aware of that, I knew that, yes, I'd lose a lot of money at the short term, but investing it properly in the things that I wanted to and still living the life that I want to live, uh, I'm okay with my decision. Um, and I'm glad I never took photos and all that good stuff because people want to exploit you on, on levels that you can't imagine. And you have to be a person of discipline. Stay very, very focused to shield your family away from those things. And eight years, I mean, this, that was 2010, eight years removed, almost nine years. Um, I think we're managing very, very well. And we're very down to earth. And you fly for a little bit, but you have to be disciplined to understand. This is one check, the biggest check you'll ever maybe get. But uh, you got to live the rest of your life with that. So. <laughs> right, right. Very good advice. Now, uh, we're going to come back and continue our discussion, but right now we're going to pause for uh, a break. And if you would like to talk with our guest, give us a call at 563-999-3660 because your viewpoint does matter. That number again is 563-999-3660. When we return, we are going to discuss uh, how life has changed for Mr. Pilgrim and his family and uh, after his big lottery winning. So stay tuned, and we'll be back in just a few minutes. You're listening to The CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network. Hashtag One Million Strong. Dave, what are you doing? Just sending a gift to Dave2037. Who? Me in the future. I save a little money from every paycheck as a gift to Dave2037, so he can spend it on things like anti-gravity boots or a hologram Doberman. Something cool like that. I think Dave2037 deserves it. He worked hard. What are you getting Steve2037? I guess I was thinking Steve2037 would just fend for himself. Well, all right. But don't expect to be borrowing my anti-gravity boots. You want to have money in your future? You got to start saving now. Putting some money from every paycheck into a savings account or contributing to your 401k can make a big difference later. Put away a few bucks, feel like a million bucks. For free ideas and easy ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. Hey, let's just hope Steve2037 doesn't get his hands on a cold time machine because he is going to come back here and knock some sense into you. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. The CWR Talk Network is not just another talk radio network. We are the champion for life empowerment programs like Career Reels with Carolyn. We understand that many of our listeners need career advice to advance their careers to the next level, and others need advice on finding a job. We have been blessed with the addition of Ms. Carolyn Owens to our network. 
Carolyn is the chairwoman and CEO of Infinity Coaching Incorporated, which provides career, leadership, and life coaching that moves individuals forward, allowing them to take command of their lives. With over 25 years of proven experience, she is a leading authority on leadership and professional development and has worked with and trained top leaders across the globe. Her show, Career Reels with Carolyn, may be heard the second Monday of every month at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern and 6 o'clock p.m. Central Time. Career Reels is a show that discusses how you can become the star of your life. Carolyn and her guests will share with you tips and strategies on how you can reach and stay at the top of your game. You'll also hear about hot topics and trends that can make a difference in your career or business. So tune in the second Monday of each month to hear Career Reels live and get hired or take your career to the next level. For more information, visit Carolyn's page on our website at cwrtalknetwork.com. Unexpected reactions to smart financial decisions brought to you by feedthepig.org. Well, I finally did it. I improved my credit score. You're kidding, right? Uh, no. How are we supposed to be the bad boys of electrosynth pop if you're out there being responsible? The band is about to be discovered. This is our year. Uh, yeah, you've been saying that for a while now. You think anyone in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was worried about their credit score? I never really thought that. Of we're... course they weren't. Rock stars aren't supposed to think about that kind of stuff. We're supposed to think about how many guitars we've smashed, write aggressively sensitive power ballads, start questionable fashion trends, tragically break up and blame creative differences. All right, all right, just... I thought maybe it was time to take control of my finances, you know? Start using a budget. Get out of debt. Set some goals. A budget? Debt? Set some goals? Listen, I knew that we'd have our creative differences, but I was hoping they'd involve a little more scandal. When it comes to financial stability, don't get left behind. Get tools and tips for saving at feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. You're listening to The CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is The CWR Talk Network. Hashtag One Million Strong. Welcome back to Donnell Edwards' Viewpoints with your host, Donnell Edwards, on the CWR Talk Network. Thank you so much for joining us for tonight's edition of Donnell Edwards Enterprises, uh, Donnell Edwards uh, Viewpoints. Uh, we are talking with uh, Mr. Miguel Pilgrim, winner of $52 million in the lottery, and what he is doing with his winnings. Now, Miguel, can you explain what your life was like prior to winning the lottery in contrast with how it's changed since you won the lottery, if there's been any substantial change? Well, I mean, you got a few more zeros behind it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's obvious. But, um, I mean, keep in mind I have extensive military background. My father was military, my sister, my brother, um, my grandfather. So discipline is, is what's required for anything to be successful. And... Many don't know, when I was working for NCL, 
um, I continued to work for NCL for almost another six or seven months because we were bringing out a very, very large, one of the largest cruise ships in the world. And my job is second in command of the global security program uh, here and abroad required me to be honestly on the flying and checking up on these. Every port that, that a U.S. bound ship goes to has to go through a very rigorous security protocol, and that was pretty much my duties. Um, and I was living very well, six-figure income, um, you know, living in Miami, living a great life. I had a nice car. I had a top-floor apartment. I mean, I was living, living pretty decently, um, and I wanted more, as we all do. I knew that my first command, I pretty much reached the ceiling of my background, and I knew I wasn't going too much further, so I knew I had to bring get into something that would supplement what I was doing, and I wanted to buy a house and put down some roots, um, and I just started researching, researching, and a lottery ticket isn't, I mean, to tell you a story, I was actually cooking that weekend of the announcement back in 2010, and I went to the gas station, and the attendant there knew me and asked me to check my ticket. And I was only there to get a bottle of wine. And I had chicken cacciatore in, in the oven. Um, <laughs> I didn't really want to check tickets. He said, Miguel, somebody won here. He had a very strong Spanish accent. Um, and I said, okay, um, okay, somebody won. I need my bottle of wine. I got food in the oven. I really wasn't concerned. And he didn't understand that. You got all those tickets here in your car. You never check your tickets. You never check your tickets. So I probably had about 20 tickets in my car. I just believed that I wasn't an, an, a, a lottery buyer that every single time I got to get it Wednesday. If I was in town, I mean, I was traveling. Right. If I was in town, I'd buy tickets. If I wasn't, well, that was just too bad. <laughs> right. So um, I go out to the car because obviously he was not going to give me um, my bottle of wine unless I checked my ticket, right? <laughs> So I went in, and then I had about 20, 25 tickets, and I brought them in. He just looked at me and shook his head. <laughs> so you can tell someone that good things are happening, too, because you got all these lottery tickets. You haven't checked for one in, like, three months. And I said, yeah, okay, well, just check, check them. So he's going, going through them. He's going through them, and he says, you got a winner. And I won, like, $150 in one. So I'm thinking, wow, uh, it's worth the bottle of wine. And even <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then he starts jumping up and down and he said, you won, you won. And I'm thinking, wow, you won the 52, 52. Okay. Wow. $52,000. I mean, that's a nice chunk of change now. I definitely can get some property now. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're a millionaire. And, and he's jumping up and down. He's very excitable person. Uh, I'm excitable, but I'm not excitable unless it's forced upon me. <laughs> <laughs> oh and, boy. That's, it was very, very interesting from that on. And I went into security mode. People were walking in. They were getting excited. And I'm I'm starting to take stock of who may rob me and, and what do I have to identify in clothing of, of the people walking in. So my training kicked <laughs> in in a totally different perspective. And other people like, I would have been jumping up and down. I'm not one for that. I have a very strict protocol. So <laughs> I got in my car, um, ensured that my weapon was close, and made some phone calls. Hmm. Next day, that I, is, next day I was in Tallahassee. <laughs> that that is a very interesting story. Very interesting. Now, uh, what what would you say 
and I guess you probably kind of answered that already, mostly because of your your background. Is, is that that one of the things that makes you different from a lot of the people we read about who win lotteries and splurge and uh, self indulge, and before you know it, they're they're broke. Well, you're going to splurge, and, and you okay. should. Um, and you splurge yourself every opportunity you get. If you've been working hard and you've made the sacrifice that others have, others won't. The story is this. When I left the state back in 2001, it was on some very unique circumstances. And your listeners should really listen, listen very closely. Okay. I had a very successful career in the casino business before I entered the cruise line. I also managed... I worked at a lounge down in Bill Street in Memphis, Tennessee. So I love that that sort of lifestyle. Um, guy walks in one day. We're having a staff meeting at the, at the thing that I work, and he says, acknowledge everybody at the table but me. And I realized one thing. I was the only man of color at the table, and I was the only person who worked in security. So he either didn't respect me as a person or my chosen career. I went back to my office right now, told my team, this place is going to close. Within three months, I secured another job. Within a year, that casino had closed. Uh, so I will say this here, even more so. The lesson, how, uh, how this has come to be, is I made the sacrifice to leave my children and my family to take a job overseas. But what you don't know is I was leaving that lounge one night. I saw a young man getting beat. I pulled over. And the guy snatched his wallet and ran. Back then I was pretty fast. I gave chase. And he shot me in the stomach. Oh, man. And as I lay on the ground, I thought to myself, would I? All my life, I've tried to dispel the statistics of being an African-American in this country. I've went to war. I've returned only to get shot in the street by one of my own. I knew what the headlines would read. Blackmail, fighting, assaults, drugs, something, but nothing positive in what I was actually trying to do. But what people don't understand is that Chinese company held my job six months as I lay in the hospital in here. And I knew that no matter what anybody said, I shouldn't go overseas or I shouldn't make that sacrifice. I had to make, take that action. That action spurred me to where I am today, dedicated to the mission, no matter what the circumstances. Working for a company, even though I have $52 million in the bank. When you give someone your word, act on it with integrity and honor. There you go. That is a very powerful story. I was not aware of uh, of any of that. And definitely things like that can change your perspective on life. Now, uh, what, what is it that, that motivated you to invest a, a large portion of your winnings back into the community? If I wasn't convinced, um, when I left Memphis, Heading out to the Navy in 1987, 
um, my grandmother's government-owned condo. <laughs> we call it the projects. <laughs> had a <laughs> you, <laughs> government-owned condo, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of history there. By the time I returned and moved back here permanently, almost 1,600, almost 2,000 units were gone downtown, just outside of Memphis, out of the downtown uh-huh. Memphis. Retraced by townhouses. All the memories, all the pain, all the successes, gone. And I wondered how this happened. But I remember telling her, Grandma, you, you ought to move out of here. No. I paid for this. I paid three hundred dollars, Uncle Sam. I said, "No, that's called a long-term lease. That's not your property." And she died there. But all the childhood mm-hmm. memories of paying and fighting and running and gone. And when I moved to Fort Lauderdale, when I took a corporate position for the cruise lines, I saw all these things. And then once I started my real estate company and started to invest in the ring. I'm driving through this area. So I'm like, wow, there's so much history down here. It deserves to be preserved. And how do you do that? Well, first you start learning about the history. And then you start identifying places that can follow that history. And then you speak to the communities to ask them, what do they want there? But that's further on down the line and I think in our subject matter. So. But uh, basically what you're saying is that you saw a need and Absolutely. you felt that you were in a position where you could do something about it. And that was that was a major part of your motivation, I, I would guess. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and laying in the streets. <laughs> With our yeah. 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 <laughs> like, how did this happen? Yeah. And I don't want – I want people to know – that in our neighborhoods, there is a lot of things that you can do to make it better. Well, that, that leads into my, my next question. Uh, what would you say to others about the need for more social and community involvement who believe that they can only contribute if they have money? Mm. Time. Right. The one aspect that totally beats the dollar um, has more value than anything on the planet, and that's time. If you, if everybody would spend two hours a day, anybody who lives in a, in a blighted neighborhood or the hood, spent two hours a day volunteering their time to something that's charitable in their neighborhood, do you know how much power financially? Helping, helping someone build a home or a retail piece, it, it, that's just – it's just – that sort of energy is unfathomable. It really is. Think about it. Miss um, Olson wants to get her house painted, right? Somebody in the neighborhood should be going over there to help Miss Olson, who's too old, to paint her house. Houses in the hood – don't go down because people want them to in many cases, but nobody around them is going to help them maintain it. If they can't afford it, then what are they going to do? It's going to look like you got a house in the hood. But if you go to a Jewish neighborhood and see an old house, you go to an Italian neighborhood and see an old house, there may be new construction right next to it, but it's maintained very well because there are standards, meaning you're my neighbor. 
Now, I'm going to try and help you maintain yours and help you get on your feet. If not, you can't be my neighbor. If I try to open a certain venue in the Italian neighborhood that doesn't meet their standards, they're going to say, Mr. Pilgrim, I'm sorry. <laughs> You're not meeting our association bylaws. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Pilgrim, go straight to the hood and open up the neighborhood meat market that does, sells all the poor, poorly nutritious, <laughs> low-value, the worst stuff on the planet to us. And we'll accept it. And we'll frequent it. And by the way, Mr. Pilgrim, uh, he's from Arabia. So none of that money is actually staying here. <laughs> In the neighborhood, uh-huh. guess what is out? It's going back to Arabia. Yeah. And guess what Milton has done? When he passes on, he doesn't sell to a, a person of color, even though that's where his, his livelihood has been living for the last 20, 20 or 30 years to his family. He'll give it to another person from Arabia or wherever they're from, but they're not from that community. And none of those dollars are staying there. But we allow them to come in and do that. So you have to have a, a model. Invest in us, make us grow. That'll drive traffic to us, but we have to invest in ourselves first. Okay. Now, now let me ask you this: Do do you uh, are you involved through your real estate company or personally in providing any type of education within the communities, so that once you do get them revitalized, uh, they can be self sufficient and continue to uh, stay that way. Great question, Donnell. I have a couple of things. Um, okay. Keep in mind, when I opened the, the restaurant in Jazz Mount here, um, the people that decorated, the artists, it's local, a local young man, um, a patient descent, did a phenomenal job. Uh, the interior is local artists. The, the builder, local artists. The contractors were, were um, local people of color. So my entire team are women of color. Now, that's one aspect. I'm not out just talking about it. I'm hiring us and showing us okay. how to take a successful business. Now, that's what I'm doing now. The business model that I want to do in the cis trunk area means that I've got two pieces that are relatively large. One is 13,000 square feet. The other is almost 18,000 square feet. And the idea is to open another NYSW um, music venue, probably a blues venue, across the street a cultural arts incubator and arena. And, and why do I want to do that? Well, first of all, kids walking down the street are thinking about, I want to be a rapper. I want to be a celebrity. I want to be an athlete. But they really don't think about, I want to be a business owner, an entrepreneur, a restaurateur, um, a fashion designer. Those Jews don't come from, in, in my experience, I don't know about you, but in my experience, when you ask anybody from the hood what they want to be, what their aspirations are, none of those come across. Right, right. So my objective is to create a business model that will allow boutique retail pieces, at least four or five different shops on the first floor. One is a boutique restaurant. Let's say I have so many people that approach me want to be open restaurants. These people have culinary experience, extensive, but they either don't have the, the budget to build the restaurant out or they don't have the budget for the dirt, meaning the lease or what have you. 
Uh-huh. Well, my intent is to create this business model, this restaurant that's built out. You say you you can be a restaurant manager. You got the degree. Well, come on in here for a year. You're not pay me any rent. I want to see um, how you train your staff, your hiring, your attention to detail, your food product. Let's see if you really can do this. But you have to be in my program. In the areas where you fail, I'm going to show you what it takes to run that restaurant or that business. That's one retail piece. At the end of the year, Danelle, you're going to say, you know what? These 18 to 22-hour days are too much for me. I don't have what it takes. I'm going to say, good on you. Thank you so much. Or you're going to say, wow, this is what it takes, and I'm doing it. So what would that mean for the, for that neighborhood, Danelle? That means that I've established someone who has knowledge, correct? Yes, yes, definitely. And I'm trying to duplicate this across the board. Um, a lot of people want a vegan um, ice bar. Okay, Jack, let's do that. Uh, someone says, I'm a fashion designer and I want to bring my clothes. Fine, let's do that. You say you can run it. Let's do that. I'll show you what it takes. I want. Let me see your profit and loss every single month so I can tell you what you're doing wrong. So you're either going to make it or know you, you don't have what it takes right then and there or identify your areas where you need to improve it. But I think it's a win-six situation. That's just on the first floor. That is incredible. It really is. I'm, wow. I'm talking a lot on that subject, and I'm sorry <laughs> I'm probably taking up your time on that particular question. But no, no, but that's, the only that's, you that's can do that is execute that. And now the only way I can do that is own the dirt. And those properties over in Cistrong have no mortgage on them, so nobody can tell me what to do other than the city. And the city has already told me. I met the community. They're excited about what I'm doing. I'm working with the CRA there. We're getting together a package to submit to them, and they've. We've already talked to them several times. So I think I'm on a win situation here. Um, at the first year, you know, those business models won't generate any income. But shortly thereafter, if it's making money, then there will be, be <laughs> occupancy rates. But I can set that as much as I can as long as I'm not losing money and it pays the taxes. Then I can get some small profit there and be very, very happy because I have other investments elsewhere. So it can work, but you need somebody who's dedicated to the cause. It sounds like you have a fantastic master plan and uh, one that will really help a lot of a lot of people. That's that's just great. Now we're going to talk some more about that, uh, but uh, one of the things that I want to talk about when we come back is how the community at large benefits from what you're doing. But right now we're going to take another break, and we'll, we'll discuss that when uh, when we return. listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network. Hashtag one million strong. Why is Connor having trouble focusing in school? Having trouble finding Connor's middle school? Would you like directions? No. Why is Connor having trouble focusing in school? Finding lowest airfare to Istanbul. No, I'm, I'm tired of fighting with him over homework. Homewalk restaurant need a review? No, I need help. He's very smart, but his mind wanders. He's disorganized. I think I understand. Oh, good. Finding best potatoes for French fries. No! Russet, fingerling, Yukon oh, gold. Why don't you understand me? 
Sorry, I was trying to show how Connor feels every day. Frustrating, isn't it? Redirecting to understood.org. For the one in five kids with learning and attention issues, this is what life can feel like. Explore understood.org, a free online resource about learning and attention issues designed to help your child thrive in school and in life. Understood.org, because understanding is everything. Brought to you by understood.org and the Ad Council. The CWR Talk Network is not just another talk radio network. We are the champion for important causes and issues like financial literacy. That is why so many people listen to the Lionel Shipman Shape Your Finances show. Lionel is a seasoned veteran in the finance industry, but more importantly, Lionel cares about people. He shares his vast knowledge of the finance world in a personal way that goes beyond dollars and cents, with advice that makes sense. So let Lionel help you get your finances in order, or avoid costly errors in judgment that may be devastating to you and your family. Listen to the Lionel Shipment Check Your Finances show every Tuesday exclusively on the CWR Talk Network at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Central. One in three adults in America have prediabetes, but most don't know it. To let people know it can be reversed before it becomes type 2 diabetes, professional basketball player Julius Randle is doing everything in reverse. I'm only dunking with reverse windmills. I drove the whole way to practice in reverse. I don't recommend it. This move is called the reverse shuffle. I do recommend it. And it took me months to learn how to speak in reverse, like this. <clears throat> Here's 10 almost for diabetes type 2 with living, then has my mom. In other words, my mom has been living with type 2 diabetes for almost 10 years. So together, we want to say to the 84 million Americans at risk, exercise and healthy eating can help reverse prediabetes. Start by taking a simple one-minute risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. <laughs> Betty can't say that in reverse. This message is for all of you sitting in the passenger seat. And apologies if it gets a little uncomfortable, but how does it feel to be at the mercy of someone who thinks a random text is more important than your life? Someone who takes their eyes off the road while speeding along in a three-ton hunk of steel. Freaky, right? Well, why not just ask them to stop? Or better yet, volunteer to text for them. It might be a little awkward, but believe me, you'll live. Learn more at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network. Hashtag One Million Strong. Welcome back to Donnell Edwards' Viewpoints with your host, Donnell Edwards, on the CWR Talk Network. Thanks again for taking part of your evening to be with us tonight. 
we really appreciate it very much. And as we mentioned before going into the break, uh, we're going to talk more about uh, Mr. Pilgrim and what he's doing with uh, his project there on Cist Trunk Boulevard in uh, Fort Lauderdale. Now, uh, when I was reading about the project, one of the things that stood out to me, and you mentioned this in, in your comments previously, was the Performing Arts Center that you have planned. Now, can you tell us more about uh, the Performing Arts Center, uh, what it includes, and the impact that such a facility like that can have on a community, especially as youth? Well, it's I think it's the, the center itself would include both buildings, the one across the street. One building is probably 200 feet from the other across this trunk, which is on the main thoroughfares. Dr. Sistrunk was one of the first um, black surgeons in the Broward County area. The street is named after him, along okay. with his uh, business partner and friend, uh, Mr. Don Mizell. And those two families are some of the most, were some of the most powerful families uh, in the Dorsey Riverbend area. Well, this art performance arena is going to be incredible. I've already spoke to you about the retail piece on the first floor. I'm thinking three to four stories. Because right okay. next to that property, they'll be they have planning a new YMCA, and the city just approved um, 12 to 15 million for construction of that new vessel, which is previously the Mizell Community Center. Um, a lot of historic properties, historic families in this community, um, Donnell, and I, I couldn't stress that enough. But what we're going to do on the second floor is. I'm always getting approached by college kids who are educated with masters in music, bachelors in music, but they can't find anywhere to teach or they can't afford how much it costs. Well, my plan is to open up four to five different studios, one for performing arts and dance, uh, ballet, roughly 2,000 square feet, uh, the next piece for musical instruction, possibly a studio, um, the next one for art, visual art, painting. And we're going to have all these creative things going on because I know there's a market for kids that want to teach others but can't afford anywhere to teach. And I'm going to give them a, redu a reduced occupancy or tenancy of rent. Basically, if they ensure that 50% minimum of their clientele are from the local community. So that ensures that the kid who's walking down the streets looking up in that second-story window and seeing someone learn how to tango or ballet, he'll be inspired. He moves a little bit further and looks in the second window. sees someone teaching piano or a violin or the saxophone. moves a little bit further down there, and he'll see a kid being taught art on campus. If you understand the creative juices being sparked to explode, you fully understand that this kid, instead of wanting to be a celebrity or a basketball player, nothing's wrong with those, nothing at all. But the chances of fulfilled and passionate life of creativity, culture, are greatly increased when you have the performing arts as a piece of your, your upbringing. What do you think? I'm just speechless. <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know, visualizing all that you're saying and I, I mean, it's just incredible. And uh, again, I commend you for 
for what you're doing, and uh, I'm going to have to come down and take a visit. Definitely got to do that because I want to see this. All right. Okay. Well, it's just dirt now, but if you come down <laughs> to my jazz lounge, if you come down to my jazz lounge, Donnell, and you see what it was before I built it, you'll understand that what I'm talking about is going to happen. But people usually are like very skeptical, and I can understand that. When I bought the dirt downtown for NYSW Jazz Lounge, even some of my business partners were like, well, what are you doing, man? <laughs> you going to put a jazz lounge right here? And now we're blowing up all over the place. Um, you, have, you have to have your purpose and your vision, Donnell. Do not be deterred from it. Do not be deterred. Right. I understand. Now, uh, I also uh, read in an article that you said that in your world travels, you visit cultures where people marvel at your beautiful brown skin. And you want children in Fort Lauderdale's historic black community to experience that feeling of value as an African-American. Now, Miguel, how can all of us, uh, my listeners, myself, how can all of us learn to instill that feeling of value in our black youth? I think systematically um, in this country, we have been, well, I, I can't go over the same stuff that everybody knows. I mean, we've been victimized, chastised, downgraded, second class, everything. And when you go and start traveling abroad, um, to go to a country where people don't look like you, smell like you, or eat the food that you eat, and they're touching your skin, and they're not afraid. They're so inspired and empowered in all of you as a person. I remember I would always get off the ship sometimes on now, and I would do a little jogging. And first time I got to China, I was jogging along this brick path, and I heard these steps behind me. Initially, I'm from, from Memphis, so obviously I'm trained. I was a bit alarmed. But these mm-hmm. kids, they're just following me. And every time I'm there, it's like 30 kids, 40 kids, 50 kids. They're just following me. So one time I just stopped. And I sat down. And they came over, and they started touching me. They were just blown away. And as I began to, to, to learn the language, Hiran. Hiran is what they call a black man. Ni hao ma, how are you? Um, and they would touch. It was just amazing. It was amazing. And I realized through many of my Chinese friends that they were stunned. From their words, they thought we would, I would be violent and I would try to attack them. or But they could not stop following me. And I was like, wow. Media has so miseducated people about us that we have to travel to appreciate them one-on-one without anybody's texting, anybody's other words, just that one-on-one experience. And that's how you do that. You have to travel. Any chance to travel, leave where you are to appreciate where you want to go. That's what I say. Okay. <clears throat> and, you know, that's that's unfortunate. I know being in the... Uh, cruise line industry. I'm, I'm sure you've seen this. And I think as uh, uh, a people, uh, black people are now traveling more uh, than than they have in, in the past. I was really proud of my, my daughter uh, 
Uh, I've never mm-hmm. been out of the country myself, but uh, my youngest daughter uh, was able to visit Africa this year. She went to Kenya, and you don't know how proud that made me because one of the things I have taught my children is that it's a big world. And you really limit yourself when you don't travel and see how other people do things and how they live. So I, I totally mm-hmm. agree with you there. You're so but, right. Uh, You're so right. Yeah. Now, that that was really interesting what you were saying, though, uh, about the the people and the, the effect, of the impact that the media uh, has on, on people because they've really done a job as far as misrepresenting who we are. So... Uh, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I wanted to uh, ask you about something else too. Uh, we hear a lot about gentrification in areas like the cis trunk district that you're revitalizing. Now, d- depending on who you are, that term may be good or it may be bad. So uh, can you explain the difference between what you are doing and gentrification projects implemented by wealthy developers sometimes with approval and partnership of uh, government agencies that claim to revitalize decaying neighborhoods in urban communities. Mm-hmm. Well, th- that is a term that, that is hot right now. Um, some people don't want to touch it, but I'll, I'll dig right into it. Okay. Gentrification. <laughs> Anytime that whoever you are, developer of the city, uh, an investor, an entrepreneur, plan on going into a blighted community, an underserved community, with the intention of profiting only for yourself and Dodge No input from a local community, no intention of spreading that wealth within that community, and with the ultimate goal of simply raping that community, then that's gentrification. And you don't deserve to be anywhere near that community. But if you go in, talk to the community, invest in the community to create jobs, jobs with an ascension, not just a job, not just a burger place, but to be the owner of the burger place. If you're doing that, then yes, and that house has been there 30 years that you want to buy, and People are just telling you, well, we, we don't want to change because that's so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so's house. Okay, well, we understand that we appreciate that. Is so-and-so, so-and-so going to do anything to increase the value in our neighborhood so that so-and-so, so-and-so's grandchildren can say, we're from the fish trunk area. We have value. If not, and I'm sorry, whether it's fish trunk, Detroit, Memphis, Dallas, Houston, L.A., wherever it is, if I have a property in the hood and it is dilapidated, it is unsightly, and decreasing the value, then how dare I even talk about somebody who's coming in there to improve the value of my neighborhood? That's unification, and, it can, and it's on both sides, not just the outside entity coming in, but the inside entity that's been living there and has no intention of ever trying to increase the value, increase the value of our neighborhood and our community as a whole. So it's two-sided okay. gentrification, and that's the way I look at it. But if you're bring, involved in the community, you're talking to people, then I'm sorry, that's not gentrification. If I'm creating jobs, not this job, but jobs for ascension, that I can be the supervisor, the manager, and the owner, now the franchisee. 
not a district owner. And that's what I, that's the way I look at it. Okay, that's a very very interesting perspective and uh, helps me to understand it a lot better because I have have a real negative uh, view of gentrification myself. But the, the 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 comments that you made about the people who lived there not wanting to do anything to improve it. Uh, I hadn't I hadn't really thought much about that, so that's 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 good that you uh, helped me to to see that. Now uh, another thing I wanted to mention uh, is, and I talked to you about this before we went on the, on the air, is financial literacy, which is very important to me, and I've made it a major priority of my my talk radio network. Now, as a people, uh, blacks need to acquire better personal money management skills. And for many, there's the need to break the generational poverty that exists in our community. What advice do you have? Because I know you you you've had some uh, some knowledge and some experience in uh, in investing and managing your 401k. Uh, what advice do you have, especially for parents, in regard to working to become debt free? and to stop being consumers and to become the providers of products and services and to teach our children how to use money wisely. First of all, both of my children, before they graduated high school, had jobs. It was hard to get them to do that, but, but they worked. So first and foremost, I've been working since I was 14 years old. My mother would tell you that her allowance was not enough for me, and I told her one day, Mom, I'm going to get a job. I didn't come home till I had a job because – we have to learn, not just work, put that money into something. Don't just say, I'm saving, because money in the bank, I'm sorry to tell people, isn't making money. To me, the banking system is one of the largest. <laughs> well, I'm not going to say that. Uh, <laughs> let's just say <laughs> the banking system um, is self-serving, meaning they need your money to live. Now, that's a start, but we have to see people. While you're saving, you have to be investing. And an old man once told me, the quickest way to wealth for people of color is real estate. The real estate has allowed me to open the jazz lounge, the restaurant, the clothing line. Um, and I'm not even a realist, I'm not an agent, I'm not, I'm just an entrepreneur. I have a lot of brokers that I've worked with, and I've done a lot over the last eight or nine years. But immerse yourself in it. Financial literacy comes from first owning the dirt, and from that dirt, creating wealth. How do you do that? Well, let's build it, we'll create jobs. Those jobs are people that live in the community. They're going to spend money, their taxes are going to help the community, and through that, their children are going to see how they're working with a path of ascension. My mother was a burger flipper. She became a supervisor. She became the manager. Now she owns three McDonald's. It can happen, but you have to start with I'm learning to work, learning my craft, getting better at it. Financial literacy is available everywhere. Everybody has classes. Any bank will sit down with you and do all kinds of programs with you. <laughs> <laughs> but we have to stress that, now. We have to stress it. We have to tell our children, listen, I'm constantly giving you money. You are a bill. Become an asset. Don't be a liability. It's 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 our our responsibility as as parents and and not just parents, but other people in the community 
to reestablish that, that, that sense of community that, that we used to have. We've gotten away from that, and uh, we, we need to get back to that. Uh, that's so that we can, mentality, that village mentality, though, yeah. 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 Now, uh, do you have any final comments uh, for our audience about entrepreneurship, philanthropy, and community activism? Um, a couple of things. Um, okay. First of all, I need everybody to understand that there's nothing that you can't have. I, I knew one day I would work my, my dream job um, of working for the cruise lines. Um, nothing would stop me. I knew I would be there again. Um, I knew I would have a real estate company. But I had to prepare myself to do those things. I had to prepare myself to know that once I had the opportunity, I was ready for it. I knew I would have a wonderful restaurant, but the first restaurant venture was a failure. You can't be afraid to make mistakes. Um, entrepreneurship. You have to put yourself around people that are hungry, that are trying to learn. The guy in the corner, he doesn't want you to be any more <laughs> than he is. So he's not going to tell you, you want to be a real estate guy? Nah, man, the hood is where it's good. Nah, man. <laughs> the hood is not where it's good. <laughs> you know, surround yourself with people that know more about what you're trying to get into because most of the time, the person giving you your advice and is no better position than you are. And when he sees you're getting hungry and trying to do something, he or she might be trying to give you the wrong advice. <laughs> so watch who you surround yourself with. Be focused and purposeful. Be diligent. And when you get there, pull somebody along with you. Right. Great, great, great advice. Well, Miguel, thank you so much. I really appreciate you being on the program this evening. And you've given us so much to think about. And I just can't get over how uh, great what you're you're doing. Uh, and, and this project sounds like it's just a, a massive project as I visualize it in, in my mind and I'm 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 just so so excited about it and uh and like I mentioned I'm coming down there. I want to see this. But uh okay. But but keep up the good work and uh you are an outstanding model and example of what we all should strive to be like. And and I thank you so much. So take care and thanks again for your your uh appearance on the program this evening. Thank you, Donnell Edwards. And I appreciate the things you're doing. And thank you for having me on Viewpoints. It was a pleasure. I appreciate it. Okay. Thank you. Take care. Now, uh, next week on our program, uh, we will be discussing model schools and alternatives to the normal model for public schools that have been used for over the last 100 years or longer. We will explore how some of the model schools are achieving much greater success and why many of the public schools are slow to adopt new methods if they adopt them at all. Our special guest will be Doran Townsell, who is the co-founder of Ember Charter Schools for Mindful Education, Innovation, and Transformation in New York. So please join us for another informative program at that time. And until then, have a great week. You're listening to 
The CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network. Hashtag one million strong. Mm-hmm.